What's up, you guys? Welcome to the May 24th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to go over a, a whole lot of topics, um, playoffs, fantasy, all sorts of stuff. With me to do so is Ryan Canass. What's up, man? Not much. This looks like a fun, fun group of topics we got here. You just sent them to me a little while ago, and as you mentioned, they kind of run the gamut. Yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, so let's just—I just want to talk about the Warriors. Uh, this is kind of beating a dead horse, but they are alive and alive and well, and it's. It's what we thought, uh, basically. I mean, Kevin Durant's crazy, uh, and Curry, also crazy. Both those guys have a 67 true shooting percentage. Curry, 67.5. Durant, 67.3. It's, it's just, it's scary how good they are. Um, and honestly, I mean, when the Cavs go through, assuming they win one of the next three games, which I'm sure they will, um, I I don't know. I, I feel like the <laughs> It's crazy, but I feel like the Warriors might even sweep uh, or if five. I don't really see that series going like six or seven games, man. Um, so, what were your impressions on the Warriors? And I mean, how do you see their matchup with the Cavs stacking up? Yeah, the Warriors are just too good because they. I mean, they have so many solid role players buying into the system, uh, surrounding that sort of nougat of superstar that they got going on there. Um, yeah, they're undefeated for a reason. Do you know, is there a precedent for a team going undefeated all the way to a championship? Nope. It's uh, the 11 or no was the best start. And then yeah. the the Lakers in 2001 did it. And the old Allen Iverson step over game was the only uh-huh. game they lost. Um, so, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I think they may do it, man. I mean, this team, it's, and it's very much covered that. <laughs> You can't stop Curry and Durant on the same night. Like they try, and both these guys are just going off. I mean, Durant is like, and I will pretty much go to my grave saying that Durant's the best scorer ever. Like pure score. Like, hey, give me a bucket. Um, Durant's the best. I mean, he's like built for it. Um, I think yeah. I, I will say LeBron's a better player because he's a better, much better passer. And again, I've said he's the best passer ever, but. He, this team, man, like, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just, I mean, you, you, could, you could talk all day about how yeah. easily they score the ball and how versatile they are and their three-point shooting. And, but the crazy thing is they're just as good defensively. Like, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's not even fair. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and, I mean, Curry's defensive rating is actually, like, really good um, when he's on the court. He's only a 98.2 defensive rating. So he's been yeah. been solid. I mean, under 100 is pretty good for with the way they score. And he has a... A 122.5 offensive, so he has a 24.3 net rating in the playoffs against the stacked Western Conference. <sighs> and actually, I'm going to jump the gun on this. Um, Fish and Grits sent a, a question uh, asking about how many times do we expect to see Cavs-Warriors in the finals? Again, we're assuming that the Cavs are going to win for their third straight the three match, uh, as it's called. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be. It's crazy. Um, so what what are your impressions on the three match? And I guess, is it quote-unquote boring? Or how many um, times are we going to see that? It's, it's just ridiculous. But I, I'm cool with it. What, what about you? I mean, I certainly don't think it's boring. I think it's it's fun. It's fun to watch the matchup develop. And, you know, these two teams clashing year after year after year. 
Um, I'd like to see a little more parody, personally. I'd, I'd like some other teams to get a shot at it. Um, have some other fan bases be rewarded for, you know, year-long jersey purchases and mm-hmm. going to games and root for their team. But um, I think it's fun to see these perennial powerhouses go at it. And I'm with you. I don't know when it will end. I mean, certainly there are some very good teams out west that could potentially knock off the Warriors. You never know when injuries could hit a team. Um, and I think the big question most people would put here is how long is it before LeBron finally drops off and, mm. and his single-handed dominance of the Eastern Conference comes to an end. But I'm giving him at least two, three more years. I mean, he doesn't look like he's ready to taper off anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's probably like five. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see the Warriors losing in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. to beat them four times in a seven-game span, it's not going to happen. And then LeBron is, LeBron, Kyrie is, uh, who would you say is a better off-ball point guard? Curry's number, Curry's like the best ever, I think. Like off-ball point guard, Curry's amazing. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And then, I think Kyle Lowry and Kyrie are like neck and neck. I don't know who I would put in front. I I may go Kyrie. Yeah, I'd take Kyrie there over yeah. the ball situation. Easy, yeah, easily. Are you talking two way? Are you? Are you? No, 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 no. Just off the ball, like um, coming off screens and just yeah, getting free for jumpers and stuff. I'd, I'd prefer to have him in a catch and shoot situation. Yeah, he's such a good finisher. Uh, you know, coming off screen. Yeah, I would yeah. I'd take Kyrie. Yeah, like it's it's crazy that Kyrie is such a great fit with LeBron, man. Like it's uh, props to LeBron for I guess. And he, I think he knew that, and he doesn't talk about it, but mm-hmm. I think that he knows that Kyrie is such a great fit with him, um, which is kind of an, I don't think that's talked about enough. Um, but yeah, it's, Kyrie's, Kyrie's amazing. Uh, okay, so uh, I want to talk about LeBron really fast, and he's been, I guess, well, he had that great start, that eight straight 30-plus scoring game, plenty of assists, all this and that, and he had a... Bad game three, which is allowed, and he had a he had four fouls in the first half. It was kind of quiet and went off in the second half. Still went off. I mean, he had what thirty four and five and six. Yep. Yeah. Um, five turnovers, fifteen to twenty seven. That's a massive shooting line. Um, it's tied for his most shot attempts, um, second highest usage, I think. Um, I'm ballparking that. Are you worried about LeBron? Uh, he's been, again, two, like, after he went off and off, so every time he went off, are you worried about that at all? No. no. Yeah. I mean, come on, after game three, LeBron admitted I had a bad game. Yeah. He didn't say I'm tired. He didn't say their defense got to me. He just didn't have it. And this kind of reminds me of the 2011 finals when he had a couple bad games against the Mavericks and everyone declared that, he was a choker, you know, when, when the push came to shove, he didn't have enough to get it done. Um, you know, he wasn't a big game player. It's like, stop, everyone just loves to overreact. To yeah. This is a superstar who's been, as we just said, literally dominating the entire Eastern Conference for however many years now. He had one bad game, and game four wasn't even that bad. He just yeah. missed some, some three-pointers. If he hits a couple of those, that his offensive line is terrific. If he turns the ball over a couple fewer times... You know, it's by any normal standard, he had a great game, but you hold him to this ridiculous lofty, like he has to be perfect standard. And I just, that whole hot take 
culture I, I can't stand. Yep. I'm the same way, man. I mean, this guy, night in, night out, goes off, carries his team. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't. He's just such a lightning rod, man. I mean, he has a bad game, and people, you just, it just, it feels like they're like a bunch of like rats, just like, oh yeah, here we go. Like, <laughs> like they dropped like a yeah. with him having a bad game. And yeah, like, for years after he went to Miami, he was like, I think three years in a row, maybe he was voted the most disliked athlete in the world. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> why? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, to be fair to him, uh, unfair, I guess. The whole I'm taking my that that was a bad a bad yeah, PR that rubbed people the wrong way. Whatever like, though, come I'm on. We're just looking at his body work, what he does on the court. Yeah, yeah. He's he's. I mean, I love Jordan, and I'm a, a '90s kid. I like I've said before, I love I love Jordan, but I mean LeBron's better. I is I don't know, man. But he's just so good. Um, okay, so let's talk about some. I guess preview stuff because there's really only two teams left. Respect to the Celtics, though. Um, and TJ McBride for BSN Denver. He brought up a good topic, which we've talked about before. And he was he was Mister Buzzy last year, and apparently we'll do it again. Uh, and that's Nikola Jokic. Um, we talked about this on a pod last week and where he fits. Um, I have him as a firm first rounder for fantasy. Um, I mean, how high are we taking this guy? Like. What do you what do you think? I mean, we talked about center being thin, and what, he's he's he was so good. Yeah, I think we both had him what like right at the turn last year, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and obviously he started out terribly. Let's be honest, he yep. wasn't looking good. Um, but then he really turned things around in a hurry, and that sort of prompted the Nurkic trade, and the rest is history. He was dominant down the stretch. Um, yeah, I think obviously solid. First round, I'm putting him in the top ten, I think. Yeah, I have him at number eight right now. And eight. See, so, okay, because I've been kind of toying with my top ten list here. So if you got Cat, you got Giannis. Yep, uh, I assume you're taking Curry and Durant. Yep. Harden, Westbrook. Right? Yep, yep, yep. You're, and right, then you're right there. Kawhi, and then right on the bubble, I think, is Anthony Davis, and that depends how worried you are about his injury. Yeah, I have him over Davis. Okay, see, I would, I would probably take Davis over him, and, you know, he was pretty healthy this year, yeah. granted he went to the locker room every single day. Right, but... and that's, we talk about this a lot, too. Like He had yeah. the, the most fluky 75-game season in the history of basketball. Like, honestly, if, if you had... Like, if you just watch basketball in December and January, and someone told you that Anthony Davis played 75 games, you would not believe them, man. Like, I don't, you don't. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Like, he was so was hurt that, that month. He only missed, like, I think one game in that span when he went to the locker room, like, seven or eight times in a two-month span when our boy Cat went to the locker room, like, I think once in his career. <laughs> yeah, he played 82 games last year. Right? Yeah, two back to back, man. He hasn't missed a yeah. game yet. Pretty amazing. Yeah, that's why he's number one for me. Yeah, okay. the durability, the ridiculous upside. Yeah, and his floor is awesome every night. Uh, and yeah. then also Levine being out too helps him because he really he really went. I mean, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. If Levine going down and then Cat going off. I mean, what do you do? You think those two are correlated at all? Well, I mean, I think 
I haven't looked at the usage numbers, but I'd assume that yeah. his shot attempts went up. Yep. Uh, you know, just yeah. had the ball in his hands more often. Probably got a couple more assists and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, he's scary good. He was the second best nine cap player after the break last year, and that's despite having just point eight steals and point eight blocks. Yep. So if his de- if his defensive numbers go up, which they will, uh, he's the surefire number one guy. You know, during that span and. Yeah. And he's 21 years old, so it's if you have him on your dynasty team, you are sitting pretty. Yeah, they have a question about that later. Uh, lucky guy, man. I wish uh, we were pretty bullish on Cat when he came out because uh, he balled out in summer league. I wish we were more bullish. I think we had him like 15, 16 when he first came out, and uh, I wish we had him higher. Yeah, I didn't expect that rookie season to be as amazing as it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the best rookie season ever, really. Uh, okay. So, uh, I do want to tie in Jamal Murray. To, we actually didn't really talk much about Jokic. We got kind of on a tangent. Um, so, I mean, what are we looking at uh, as far as stat line? I mean, uh, if we look at his overall averages, he was, I mean, he wasn't like, he was just, he was like kind of a mini cat. He had a little bit of everything, really, really efficient, 58% from the field, 83% from the line, and we love that from our bigs. So, like, ah. Uh, I mean, could he could he grow more from what we saw him blow up, or what do you think? I mean, probably. Again, another another guy who's just twenty one years old. Yeah. He's got triple triple double potential. It's nuts. Like, I'm not saying average a triple double, but he's right. going to rack up plenty of them in his career. Um, another guy who didn't have all that many defensive stats. I think we're going to see those go up. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, he's still learning the game and. He's just amazing. His natural ability, the fluidity of his passing, it's all there. He's got the physical tools. He's He's got the skills. Um, and as you mentioned, the the efficiency is awesome. Um, and for how much he has the ball, he doesn't turn it over all that much. So even in 9-cat, you're not, you're not worried about him. Yeah. And he hits some threes. So, th- yeah, he just kind of does it all. Yeah, and then the, the Steve, Dr. A angle, uh, fun to owe, man. I mean, that guy is – he's – him and Giannis, man, they're so fun to just watch him play. Yeah. Uh, and everyone, really, man. I love the NBA. <laughs> um, I do want to tie in a, I guess, interesting angle. Uh, the Pelicans are going to hire Chris Finch, who was apparently close to what Jokic has become. Uh, he's been very much a kind of orchestrating the offense and be, helping Jokic become what he is. So... I mean, does that influence him negatively? Or do you think that Jokic is who he is? Again, I will say that the first time I set eyes on him in Summer League, I saw it, man. Not this great, but I'm not worried. I don't think that uh, coach coach hiring is affecting him much. No, I'm fine. Uh, Mike Malone knows what he has in Jokic. He's going to find ways to put him in exactly the position he needs to be to to, to thrive. Yep. And I do want to bring in Jamal Murray, who is a a great fit with Jokic for such a great passing big man. And I really saw Jamal Murray just become a very great off-ball guy. Um, And he could be, I don't want to say he's the next Steph Curry, but if I had to pick a rookie or second-year player or something like that who could become the next Curry, I'd put my money on Murray. Um... Again, I'm not setting the bar that high, but he has the same skill set. A guy who can dribble a little bit, very quick, great, quick release, all this great stuff we love. I love Jamal Murray, man. I mean, I'm going to take, take him hard. Um, he's one of my boys, I think, this year. 
Um, I was really impressed. He obviously leapfrogged Moutier, and I love the fact that they're committed to him as a point guard, um, and he did well there. Uh, and again, you don't need him to handle the ball and really distribute with Jokic there. So, perfect fit. Um, Jamal Murray is my boy. Um, so, what do you think about Murray, and are, are you going to take him from me? <laughs> well, we'll see. It sounds like you're going to be going pretty high. Yeah. And, uh, I might not be quite quite as high. But, yeah, I think he's in for a, a big year. They're going to just run him out, you know, tons of minutes, I think. He played 33.4 uh, in April, and his numbers were great. Like, he really thrived with the increased opportunities. And uh, you mentioned a key point, which is they, they committed to him at point guard. And you saw him play pretty well in that role. He had five assists in April uh, per game. And that's critical because he's going to be a guy who gives you points, threes, and steals. But if you can get those those extras, you know, if you can get four to five assists per game, if you can get three plus rebounds per game, um, and have him shoot pretty well from the field because uh, field goal percentage was still like one real issue, mm. which is typical for a rookie guard. You're you know you're not surprised by that, but yeah, I think he's got all the tools. And you mentioned some of his just sort of innate abilities, the quick release, the um, you know, ability to play off ball on ball, he can, yeah, contribute in just a lot of ways. Yep. Yeah, Denver's gonna be awesome, man. I mean, they have a lot of pace, a lot of offense, very efficient. They were one of the best offenses after the break, really, since they unleashed Jokic. So a, a lot to love there. And I guess we have to talk about Gary Harris really fast because holy crap, that guy was awesome down the stretch. Um, again, he's like. Uh, I don't want to call him a mini Kawhi, but I kind of do. A guy that just does a little bit of everything, doesn't hurt you anywhere, super efficient. Um, do you see him usage rate falling maybe a little bit or anything? Where do you think Garrett Harris fits in this? Yeah, I don't see him being better than he was after the All-Star break, that's yeah. for sure. Um, shot lights out and played 35 minutes a game, and yeah, you mentioned pretty high usage. But he's another terrific player, and you said the system, the pace is there for him, um, which generates more opportunities. He's going to fill up three-pointers, give you some points across the board stats. Um, and another guy who's only 22 years old, and we, I was high on him coming into this season. He started out pretty quiet, but it's one of those kind of sneaky value guys who just doesn't really jump out. You know, he's not going to have many 28-point games, and um, but he still is getting it done consistently. And then we saw the last few months, he just went through the roof. Um, so I like, I mean, I'm probably going to be taking him in the 50 range. I, I really like Gary Harris. Yeah, he's, I mean, a, another guy that's just like, like I said, he's like, a fantasy guy, and if you play fantasy long enough, you kind of know these guys that are just fantasy guys, um, where you talk about them, you love them, and then you talk about them to your friends who don't play fantasy, and they're like, oh, who's Gary Harris? Like, yeah. that's him. Um, yeah. Like, uh, Gerald Walsh was another guy that comes to mind. Why do you love Otto Porter so much? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, this guy is super efficient, um, but... Uh, actually, quickly, are they bringing Gallo back? I mean, I don't know about that. It sounds like it's a quote-unquote high priority for them. Yeah, I don't uh, know. They got Wancho. I mean, this team's so deep, man. And the the bargain contracts. Gary Harris is getting two point five million next year. Uh, they got Jamal Murray at three three on the rookie contract. Will Barton at three five. They they just really did, you know struck some some golden deals. Nice, nice pun. 
the Nuggets <laughs> picking up picking up some gold. <laughs> okay, so a team that actually has they couldn't do it um, is the Spurs, and they have a wild off season ahead. I wrote a column on Tuesday if you want to check it out um, for talking about Manu, talking about all the Patty Mills free agency, Jonathan Mills. I'm sorry, Jonathan Simmons. Whoops. Um, I'm call these ideas in my head. Um, but there's also a rumor that CP3 uh, could go to the Spurs. And I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, I can't do it. Uh, Pop and CP3 together, like that's just like perfect. I mean, that would be so much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm well into that. I would uh, lobby to see CP3 on the Spurs. But yeah. he, he'd be giving up over $50 million because the Clippers are fully expected to offer him 200 plus million over five years. Yeah. And... I just don't see that happening. I think even if, if Paul thinks that he might have better odds of winning a championship in San Antonio, which, again, isn't even a guaranteed with the Warriors juggernaut, yeah. uh, I just don't know that you give up $50 million. And this is probably the last long-term, super lucrative uh, you know, deal that he's going to get. So he can always wait, and then in four or five years from now, try to do like a late career Gary Payton thing and just attach yourself to whatever juggernaut exists at that time and try to get a ring. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily see this happening. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but he got, he's got that state, state farm money, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, also, we should mention uh, Kyle Lowry has been sort of yeah. whis- whispered about as a Spurs target as well. So yeah. I don't know, and it's the same situation. That, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've asked you this. Um, Kyle Lowry on the Sixers, uh, Villanova boy, North Philly guy. They need a point guard. Ben Simmons is going to play point guard, quote unquote. How do you see that fit? Um, I I will say that I am a I'm, I would say I'm devout saying that he would be amazing. Like this guy is one <laughs> yeah. of the best. Like I said, one of the best off ball guards. He'd be such a great fit there. Uh, yeah, I hadn't even seen anything about Kyle Lowry to the Sixers to be honest, but that sounds like a whole lot of fun. Um, and you're right, I think. Fantasy-wise, that could be an amazing fit with his ability to play off the ball, uh, fast pace, and yeah, for real-world purposes, he'd give them another tough defensive presence, um, a veteran court leader with that young crew. That could be really fun. Yeah, exactly. And actually, um, like we said, Kyle Lowry is so good off the ball. Um, to tie it back into the Spurs, uh, a player who, I mean, you could probably say he was one of the best rookies from the playoffs, and that's DeJounte Murray. So if the Spurs don't make an impact on the on the free agent market for a point guard, DeJounte is kind of sitting pretty, man. Um, even if they bring Mills back, I still think DeJounte would probably start um, because Tony Parker is going to miss apparently eight months. So you're talking January 2018 for his uh, tendon tear for in his leg. Um, I love DeJounte, man. I mean, this guy is a lot of fun. He's kind of like a point guard version of Giannis. Just arms and legs, um, very much steps around guys and can create and doesn't have a jump shot yet. Um, he's actually better as a, a shooter. This is in the column, too. Uh, in college, he's really fallen off as a jump shooter lately. Um, but how do we feel about DeJounte? I mean, is he more just like a last couple round flyer right now? Um, he does have his detriments for turnovers, and he didn't make a single three-pointer in the playoffs. Um, so what do you think DeJounte fits here? 
Uh, it's going to completely depend on free agency, of course. Uh, but if we assume that the Spurs don't land any point guard who bumps Murray down in the picking order, um, I still just view him as a late-round guy. I, For the reasons you mentioned, I was impressed. We didn't see much of him during the regular season. But his length and his quickness, um, he really didn't seem to flinch on that big stage in the playoffs. So I, I really liked his demeanor, um, but the jump shooting is kind of the big issue. And I didn't know that he was a better jump shooter in, um, before he came to the NBA. But he wasn't, he wasn't great. I'm just saying he was better. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to see, I mean, for a guy, he didn't attempt many three-pointers, so given that. Yeah. Um, and he actually shot pretty well when he did. He was hovering around 40% on the season. Um, but I just haven't seen quite enough to, to burn a you know late middle-round pick on him. Yeah, I mean, like we said, this is another one of those situations where, like, fire away, see what happens. But upside's there, man. Like, we saw the steal. The steals are great. Uh, we saw what Robert Covington did with all those steals. So, um, yeah. I mean, he just... blocked, blocked Durant twice twice in that one game uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> and then Durant blocked him twice in the same play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's... I, I love him, man. Um, probably my top five must-watch summer league players. Um, I hope Jamal Murray could come back. Uh, who's shooting the ball now? So Murray, I'm all about the Murrays. Okay, um, I do want to talk a little bit about the draft. Um, just I don't I don't really have a feel for it yet, but it sounds like Markel Foles is going to go top. Uh, great shooter. He has really all the tools, but if he goes to Boston, I mean. Is he someone you would want to take? Boston's good. Uh, I don't love him too much for fantasy there just because Boston's got a stacked backcourt. Um, so they're not going to be in any rush to give him 30-plus minutes a game. Um, in, in very interesting fit. I think there's a lot of ways they could go there. Uh, play Thomas off-ball more probably is the best way to go about it, but how that works, you know, they'd probably be crossing things up defensively. So, I don't know, some, some issues. But for fantasy, I don't really like the fit. Yeah, same. Um, we love, like we said before, we love the bad team rookie playing. Suns are the the ultimate on that. But yeah, I don't know, man. Um, it's it's kind of tough to draft fulls. I think that yeah, assuming the Lakers take Lonzo Ball, which is a whole a whole ball yarn, man, and it's crazy to think about what they're gonna do with that team uh, mm-hmm. with. Uh, D'Angelo, who was supposed to be the next guy, and he's been a little underwhelming, I would say. They have Jordan Clarkson, who's been better as a second-round pick. Um, obviously, they got rid of Lou Williams, but I mean, do you see Lonzo, Lonzo Ball being a guy who I don't know much about yet? Um, where do you see him fitting in? Um, I obviously you would take him over Foles if it goes one-two like that, but yeah, for sure. If he lands in, in LA, I like it, and I think they're gonna. Unlike the Celtics, they will carve out a, a big role for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, I guess that would push Russell to shooting guard, and there's there's a couple things they could do. And Luke Walton wasn't a stranger to creative lineups last year, so yeah, um, yeah I think he'd make it happen. And it's a, another one of those good, fast, fantasy friendly kind of systems. So that's a, that would be a nice landing spot. Yeah, and props to Magic Johnson for calling the fact that they would keep that pick. So it's rigged. Uh, okay so moving along here um just want to touch on chris bosh man uh this guy he used to be a first round pick in fantasy back in the day um but yeah they're apparently parting ways he sounds like he wants to play 
does this interest you at all? Um, even just taking into effect that he could be somewhere good? Um, no, <laughs> not at the moment. It's just, it's a sad story. Like you said, yeah. this is a, you know, all-star forward who was so good for so many years. And, um, yeah, he's just, it's not even clear that he's going to be medically allowed to play. And even if he does, we haven't seen him in years. So is he going to be the same Chris Bosch that we saw before? Probably not. Um, the only way I'd take a pick on him is just a complete flyer. And that's assuming we get good news over the summer. But if we're drafting right now, I'm not touching him. Yeah, pretty much the last round. Uh, I'd rather take a flyer on the Jante as it is right now. But, yeah, I mean, I love Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch was... Like him and kind of Elton Brand come to mind for guys that just fantasy. They're just they're underappreciated, um, just for how efficient they are and how they do a little bit of everything. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll get to some questions here. Uh, I do actually real quick. I want to tie in Gerson Yabuselli. Uh, he had surgery to remove bone spurs. I love this guy. The dancing bear is <laughs> my boy, man. Uh, we love big men that can do it all. This is this is our thing. Um, so Zizak and all these guys, I, I don't, it sounds like Dancing Bear is not going to be ready for Summer League. I'm like so sad. Could you cheer me Yeah. Up? I was fortunate enough, I got to see him, uh, play yeah. the, the main Red Claws in the D League semifinals this year, or the conference semifinals. Oh, I think. so jealous. Um, but anyway, it was great, and he was very impressive. He was as spilled, uh, big man. Could really work it in the post, but he had an outside shot, knocked down some three-pointers, uh, blocked a, a couple shots, which I like to see because he hasn't had many defensive stats throughout his career, which is one potential uh, fantasy pitfall. But he looked good at both ends, and it's it's always tougher to determine someone's ultimate value in the D-League. Um, but yeah, he looked very impressive. And as far as the surgery, the good news is it sounds like he should be ready for training camp. And if you're going to have foot surgery let it be on the top of your foot. Um, so it's not something that, you know, it's, it's not heel surgery. We're just going to be pounding it every day. and It doesn't sound like anything chronic. So I think it'll be fine. Yeah. So um, getting to some questions. Uh, ben Wheeler has a kind of Gerson Yabuselli tied into this question here. Uh, he has a 16-team, a, a 9-cat team, and he can only keep 10. So he's thinking about cutting three guys. So I'll cut it down. I'll cut it down for you here. Um, well, he has Cat, which is amazing. Um, but he's thinking about cutting either... So I'll rattle off these guys. Uh, Isaiah Whitehead, Karis LeVert, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Thon Maker, uh, Yabuselli, Zizak, or I, I, you're probably keeping Jalen Brown. So any of those guys do you think you would cut? I, I kind of made the decision for you. It sounds like... Yeah, I'd pro- I mean, I'd probably get rid of Whitehead first. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough, because I don't really know all that much about Zizek, to be honest. So yeah. I'd need to do some serious research on that dude before pulling the trigger. Uh, Boston could certainly use a, a, another talented center. So there would be a role for him if he were healthy and ready to go this year. Um I don't know. I'd be okay. I'd probably be okay getting rid of Yabuselli, honestly, given this this lineup here. Yeah. I think I'm the same. And I'm not. You didn't mention Rodney Hood, but I'm not the biggest Rodney Hood fan in the world. I'm not. Oh no. 
Yeah, I'm not really convinced. I've never have been uh, too convinced of his upside or his durability. Yeah. And, and this lineup is just so loaded. You didn't read all the names, but he's yeah. got guys like Tom Maker, Zubats. Uh, yeah, you're keeping Leonardo those guys. Gomez, Josh Richardson. So there's so much youth here. You might as well let this team grow up together. Yeah. Um, and not that Rodney Hood's like an old man, but right. I, I, I don't know. I'm he's older. Not, yeah, and I'm not completely sold on him, so. Yeah. Yeah, he had a, man, what a bad year he had, huh? Yeah, I'm glad that I was like completely off. I was off too. I was on him in the breakout year. I had him in the thirty league, thirty man league when I won, and I had Hood everywhere. And then I had him nowhere last year. Um, So yeah, I guess. And and also, what about Gordon Hayward though? I mean, if Hayward bounces, that helps Hood. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, it's it's possible. I guess it would depend on that, and if. You're right. If Hayward leaves, then certainly Hood would jump up significantly in my estimation. But um, just staring at this lineup right now, as is, I don't know. So, so who are you? Who are your three? It sounds like you're uh, with me on Whitehead. Whitehead for sure. Um, and then I would probably go Zizek. And then, I mean, I guess Dancing Bear. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's that sounds yeah. reasonable. I mean, Boston's good. I mean, they're going to get a, a, a great player in Foles who's going to pick up usage, so they're too good. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of Boston players. He also has Jalen Brown, too. Yeah, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, Dancing Bear doesn't get too many defensive stats, or he hasn't throughout his career. Um, and I'm, it's not a guarantee that his three-point shooting is going to translate to the NBA. With And then also uh, Jalen Brown, too. Uh, he has Jalen Brown. Um, just want to tie him in here. What do you think about Jalen Brown's prospects? He had a pretty productive postseason. Do you see him as a, a fantasy asset? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not the best for redraft leagues next year, but he basically played his way into a, a very significant role this year. And, yeah, I mean, obviously Brad Stevens trusts him, so... He's had a couple nice offensive games in the playoffs. His shot still needs to improve, but the athleticism, the size, it's all there. He just needs a couple more years to mature and really figure out his role. Yep. And we talked about Markel Fultz already. Um, had a question from Mr. Collins. Uh, he's asking, uh, basic strategy for someone who's never played, um, differences between redraft and keepers. Um, I'll take this one first. Uh, I'm in a fantasy baseball league, which I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at. I, I think I'm okay at it, but I'm not. Obviously, I'm a bit better at basketball for the obvious reasons. But I like to, I always draft youth, um, and I think that it's okay if you draft youth and you miss. It's better than drafting old, like semi-old and missing there, like where a guy retires early or something. So. Pretty much, if I had to give one point of advice, it would be just draft youth as much as you can. Um, In keeper leagues, you're saying? For both. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm okay. always a, and not so much for redraft. Um, I mean, you're, I'm probably more rookie than you are, um, but it's more so like I love second, third, fourth year players. I'll fill my roster with those guys, and I've kind of lived on that for years. Where I just hope guys will bust out. Like Miles Turner was big for me last year. Jokic mm-hmm. before that, and I mean the mystery side. And I, I guess I'm Mister Mystery. Um, I I just love drafting guys who we haven't seen the best of them yet, which is why I'm going to have cat number one. 
Giannis number two and so on, man. I just love youth. Um, yeah. And, and there's a reason less likely to that, sit. Yeah, there's a reason that works because you, you identify potential. You've got a guy with a certain floor we've already seen maybe in on his rookie season. Um, but we haven't seen his best, as you mentioned. So, therefore, you can usually get him a little bit later than you otherwise could because um, people like to go with known commodities. And uh, I try to fight that bias in myself where if I haven't seen demonstrated success at a certain level, I'm definitely more hesitant than you to to take that leap of faith most of the time. Yeah. Um, but for sure, in Keeper and obviously in Dynasty, youth, youth, youth. Like I think in Redraft, you can get away with drafting a guy like Chris Paul who yeah. might only have you know three, four more very good years, if that. Um, um, but in Dynasty, you take him in like much later. So I think you could be more aggressive uh, in terms of youth in Dynasty and Keeper for sure. Um, this you is... also need to, I would also say in Keeper, I think you need to develop like a team strategy even more so than you do in Redraft where you can kind of play fast and loose with the waiver wire and and sort of restructure via trades. But I think in, in Keeper and Dynasty, you need to have a more a more team um, sort of dynamic that, yeah. that you, they built toward. But I want to ask about Chris Paul really fast. I feel like he's going to play forever, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His game translates to that very, very well. And the things he says, too. Like, this guy does not want to stop playing basketball. He loves it. Yeah. So, like, I could see him playing for, like, 10 more years, man. Like, yeah, ultimate know. competitor. He's only 32 years old. He seems older than that for some reason, but... <laughs> Um, it's just his phenomenal court vision and ball handling. It's not his game isn't based on athleticism. So even when that right. fades, it's not going to impact him nearly as much as it would impact most other players. Yeah. Right. Like I, th- yeah. I feel like that. And if we're doing a podcast in seven years from now, I feel like Chris Paul can be a bigger fantasy impact than Russell Westbrook. That's that's a hot take. Yeah. Is um, it? Is it though? <laughs> I don't know. At age thirty nine. But I mean, I when, what at Westbrook? What he's what four years younger than Paul? Is that right? Yeah, is he twenty? Like yeah, probably. You're right. And the way Westbrook plays, who knows what his knees are going to look like seven years yeah. from now? Um, thanks, yeah. Thanks, Pat, right. thanks, Pat Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't start that again. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I, I gave Paul three or four years. That was a not a fair shake. Yeah. So he's got he's got a while. Uh, okay, so I think that's pretty much it, man. Um, pretty good pod, man. I love these wrap-up pods. Uh, a lot of stuff. We're going to do a, a slow mock draft, um, which we will talk about, I'm sure, ad nauseum in, in the upcoming pods. But, yeah, Westbrook, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Westbrook's crazy, by the way. I still kind of can't get my head around how good he was last season. As much as we bash him for being 42.5% from the field and all that, but he's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we're out of here on that. You guys have a great week, and we'll be back, I guess, when the finals are going on. Uh, I would love to see. Do you think um, the Cavs can win game five in Boston? They got it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to think that there's a little more mystery, but I don't, they kind of stole game three. We talked about that aberration game from LeBron. Yeah, um, yeah I, just, I think we've, we've seen them give the Cavs their best punch, and yeah. I think it's going to end in Boston. And they had a good shot. I mean, they were up in the first half. Uh, it looked like they were rolling, and then Kyrie just took over. Yeah. So it should be fun. 
Um, Warriors are gonna kill. I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll do a pod before the finals, which is gonna be a long way off. Um, see you guys. Take care, and thanks for coming on, Ryan. See you soon, Mike.